Thanks for joining us on the King Law Podcast, where we give you a lawyer's perspective on anything legal or not. From criminal law, personal injury, and trending legal topics, we're your back pocket legal guide. We are here with Daniel Nye. Really exciting news going on with Ozempic lawsuit right now, and so excited to hear more about the developments. But uh, before we get into that, just Give us a little bit of background on you, your firm, and how we got to this point with you here today. Yeah, absolutely. My name is Daniel Nye. I'm one of the founding partners, one of the four founding partners of the law firm Nye Goldenberg, Reso and Vaughn. We put together this law firm because uh, multiple of our partners, all, all the partners involved are co-leads or leaders, uh, court-appointed leaders in many of the different mass tort litigations across the U.S. So mass torts are basically pharmaceutical drug uh, litigations and or medical device litigations. Uh, so we we all shared sort of that commonality being court appointed leaders and came together. We also all knew each other on one of the cases, specifically the Balsart litigation, which is one of the MDLs that I've been appointed as a co-lead uh, counsel. And they were also all court appointed leaders of that litigation as well. So that's how we came to know each other and uh, ultimately decided we shared common passions on a lot of different issues on how to represent clients and things of that nature. So we decided to uh, set up our own law firm. I know Brett Vaughn really well, one of your partners, another founding partner, just a, a yes. wonderful guy and uh, brilliant, brilliant lawyer. So that's how we came to know your firm and, and we're continuing to work with Brett. I talked to him multiple times a week on our uh, hernia mesh litigation, something that he's been really active in for a long time. So. Uh, but we are here today for Ozempic, and and we're in taking Ozempic cases. We're working with your firm, but just for the people that are out there, what's the Ozempic lawsuit all about from a thirty thousand foot level? Yeah, I mean Ozempic to thirty thousand foot level. Ozempic is obviously a drug that has now been very widely prescribed. Uh, specifically, it's being prescribed for diabetes. We'll talk a little bit more about that. To, but most people now are actually taking it for weight loss. And the, one of the side effects that it's causing that we know now, and, you know, a, a decent chunk of the population, we don't know what percent, whether it's one, five, 10% of the population are getting gastroparesis, also known as stomach paralysis, or intestinal obstruction. And those injuries can actually be pretty severe. They'll cause people to land in the hospital and have permanencies and things of that nature. So that, there's, a, there's certainly a, a problem, a, a major side effect with this drug. Uh, those are two of them that we know about. I suspect we're going to find uh, quite a few more that we know about because at this point, a lot of people are kind of being, you're basically kind of guinea pigs for this drug. Uh, it hasn't been long. It hasn't been tested for a long period in a large portion of the population. So that's what we're seeing. So what is Ozempic and who owns it? Ozempic is what's known as a GLP-1 uh, drug, a class of drug. Uh, basically, the idea is is that you can take this drug and it treat for diabetes. Um, it, it, and it it has a normal, a lot of different ways in which it functions that changes the way your bodily, uh, your body functions and digests food and, and things of that nature. But it also has an appetite. It decreases your appetite as well. And part of that's happening because of the delay in the stomach. They, you know, emptying of the, you know, gastric fluids and again, the food in the stomach, um, that delay is also what's causing that decrease in appetite. And so take that to the extreme and it makes sense that, you know, it's already known that it causes those issues and just about anybody takes it because that's how it functions. That's how it works. Um, but you take that to the extreme and you have some people who are having 
very severe stomach paralysis and or very severe intestinal obstruction uh, that caused them to be hospitalized and things of that nature. So the intended use is for individuals with diabetes, but there's this side effect that's making the drug popular, which is weight loss. That's right. And, and, and just to make this clear, yeah, the intended use was initially diabetes. And I think as they saw some of their results in the clinical trials, and they're, they're true, it did show significant weight loss, uh, average uh, significant weight loss across the participants in the clinical trial. So they've gone further and they've reported that and, and much of their advertising. But there's something unique about Ozempic. Uh, Nova Nordisk is the manufacturer of Ozempic. And there's something unique about Nova Nordisk and how they've marketed Ozempic. It's been a very aggressive marketing. And so if you have any daughters or yourself, if you're on social media, you're going to see, you've probably seen numerous ads related to uh, Ozempic. And we call them ads, but a lot of times they, 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 package them in a way in which they don't look like ads using influencers on social media who you'll see and, and, and their algorithm will target to try to make sure that you get targeted these videos from these other users. And it's all focused on, on almost the vast majority of those, those uh, influencer videos are focused on weight loss. And so you will see all sorts of people on TikTok, on Instagram, you, know, you name it, any of social media, and you're going to see that they're reporting their success with taking Ozempic and how they lost weight. Um, and that's a big part of what this case is about, too, um, is going to be the, the extreme aggressive marketing that, you know, if you think back to the old days, you know, some of the old cases like opioids had that very extreme marketing. And Big Tobacco is another one where they had that very extreme marketing. Well, Nova Nordis is more sophisticated and aggressive than even either of those two. And so that's what we're seeing here today. So what they're probably not marketing is the negative effects it's having on people. Oh, absolutely not. I mean, they're 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 not marketing the extreme severity. I, I have seen you know multiple of these videos where they talk about you know they had nausea or they threw up a few times, but it was worth it. Yeah. And then, and then they cut to the picture of the swimsuit body, which right. is like the, the after effects. And so they they show those short term mm -hmm. issues. But that's not what we're talking about in this lawsuit. We're talking about people who are, their stomach is so paralyzed, they're not emptying food. And so it's not just like a couple times vomiting. It's a constant vomiting. It's a constant malabsorption problem. If you're not absorbing food and water, you're going to have a lot of other issues as well. So it's not just even gastroparesis. You know, there are other things, for example, like compression fractures. If you had, if you went through a long period of time, you're not absorbing food and water properly, your body's going to be, you know, dehydrated, you'll get things like depression fractures, kidney stones, you know, higher risk of heart attack, strokes. I mean, there's a whole long list of things that can also happen because you've had gastroparesis or you had an intestinal obstruction. So gastroparesis is this stomach paralysis. It's stomach paralysis, right. So you're, the food that you're eating and drinking is not getting past the stomach and not being properly digested from there. So Ozempic is causing stomach paralysis. Is, That's right. is it reversible? Well, you know, for a lot of people, we are seeing they go off the Ozempic and we're seeing that um, their stomach paralysis does clear. So that's great. There's a lot of people that are in that, that bucket. They go off the Ozempic, their stomach paralysis clears up. Now, they may still have some permanencies of things that happen because they had dehydration and 
malabsorption for a period of time. And like, that's what I say. There's other things that occur that can occur like compression fractures and strokes, and heart attacks, and, you know, kidney stones and a long list of other things. Um, but like I said, there's a segment of the population that go off the azempic and their gastroparesis clears up. But there's also a segment of the population that still they go after they go off the ozempic and they're still their stomach paralysis does it gets it can get somewhat better, but they still have problems for years after that. So it does seem that there are some people who have a permanent uh, issue with the way in which they are gastric emptying. Um, and so, like I said, that may be a permanency for a, a segment of the population. We don't know how large that is, whether it's 10, 30 percent, probably somewhere in that range, just from what I'm seeing from my clients. What are other complications that are stemming from the stomach paralysis? Yeah. So there's there's like I said, there's a lot of other complications that happen if you are not, uh, you know, properly absorbing food and water uh, into your system. And so some of those issues, they, they aren't even related. I ca- kind of call it the plumbing of the body. They're not the stomach. They're not the, they're not the intestine, but there are other issues that are happening as well. So you have an increased risk of, like I said, stomach or uh, kidney stones, you know, inf- you know sort of uh, infections throughout the body, compression fractures. You could have uh, heart, higher risk of heart attack, stroke, sort of the indicia of, you know, if somebody were to wander through the Sahara Desert for a long period of time and they were just malabsorbed or and, and dehydrated, they have a plethora of things that can cause that that can happen to them. That's the same sort of thing that can happen from somebody who suffers from severe stomach paralysis or intestinal obstruction for a long period of time. So I want to talk a little about the, a little more about the social media aspect of the case. And and I don't know if if you've developed the case. I know it. Just became an MDL last week. Um, this is really kind of cutting edge information. It's great to have you at, at this time in the case. But do you anticipate cases being brought against the social media companies for their role in, in promotion? I know that's something that happens uh, from time to time. You know, I I don't know that we're going to extend it to the social media companies themselves for their role in this interplay. Perhaps um, the leading edge is going to be against Nova Nordis. Um, in terms of, and a large part of that is we do feel like they have some control over how the ads are presented on these various social media platforms. Yeah. yeah so what about the doctors? Tell what, what about the doctors? What role do the doctors have in, and would you call this off-label use? Yeah. I, you know, so I, I think that when the doctors are prescribing it for weight loss, um, and, or if they're prescribing it for, for diabetes, what, what role, um, do we have against the doctor? And I'll say, first off, I don't handle cases. I don't sue doctors for malpractice. That's not what I do. I handle cases against manufacturers. And so we're, we're going to let everybody know that right up front. We don't, we don't handle these cases from a, from a medical malpractice standpoint. The, the, the biggest piece, the biggest thing that's important in understanding this is our case is really about a failure to warn um, and the aggressive marketing. Those are things, those are, those are the duties that the manufacturer has. So it's the manufacturer's job to put on the label the, the severe consequences that could happen as a result of taking, you know, Ozempic. And what's missing from that warning label is gastroparesis and for a long time intestinal obstruction. Recently, the FDA brought out a report and basically put a lot of pressure on them. They, they agreed that they needed to add intestinal obstruction onto the label. The gastroparesis isn't even still there. And so their failure to have that stuff on the label 
is what triggers this lawsuit. The doctors rely on the information that's on the label. And so the doctors are passing on the information that the manufacturers are putting on there. And so without, without it being on the label, it's not as if the doctors, you know, have possessed the information to recognize that there's this increased risk of gas of gastroparesis or of intestinal obstruction. And so that's why our, our case is against the manufacturer and it's not against the doctor. Do we know how likely it is for someone on Ozempic to develop stomach paralysis? I don't think we have a good sense of what the what the exact statistics are on that one, but from looking at some of the epidemiological studies, it does seem to be that the percentage might be somewhere between one to ten percent. And I and I and I combine gastroparesis and intestinal obstruction for for that data point, but somewhere between one to ten percent of the population is likely getting gastroparesis or intestinal obstruction. And I say to the extent that it is so severe that we would call it gastroparesis or stomach paralysis, the vast majority of people taking Ozempic have some level of delayed gastric emptying compared to the normal population. Do you have a sense, I've heard speculation of what percentage of the, the U.S. population is taking Ozempic as we sit here today? Yeah, it's approximately 2% that are either taking Ozempic or Wagovia of the U.S. population at this point. I heard the statistic 1.7% of the U.S. population. That's what I heard too, but you're a little closer to it. I was just comparing notes, but yeah, I heard the same thing. So that there's a tremendous, millions of people affected by the work that you're doing. That we're doing. That's right. That's right. And I should interject that uh, we've been talking about Ozempic the whole time, but they also have Wagovi, which is the same active ingredient. They're both semaglutide. And Wagovi has the same side effects and, and is also, it, you know, causes gastroparesis, causes intestinal obstruction, because it's basically the same drug. And right. so it causes both of those side effects. And that warn and that uh, Wagovi also was missing the warning for intestinal obstruction for a long period of time and, and still is missing the warning for gastroparesis. And Eli Lilly's in the lawsuit as well. Uh, I don't know if you can talk about that a little bit. Are you surprised that they're, they've been included in the MDL? And what do you think is going to happen with that going forward? Yeah, I don't I don't put uh, Eli Lilly in the same bucket as Ozempic. I mean, there are some there are some arguments on Eli Lilly uh, for Manjaro. But uh, I will say the difference between Eli Lilly, Eli Lilly warns of severe gastrointestinal disease on the warning. Label, whereas the, the, the closest thing you get in the Ozempic warning label is something that basically looks like a feedback of symptoms that people, you know, said they had when they were taking the drug. So they they may talk about dizziness, headaches, uh, and in the same vein, they talk about having some vomiting and some, you know, nausea. That's way different than warning about a severe gastrointestinal disease. So the case between the two on the failure to warn case um, is not the same case. Um, those cases are included, but I will say what we have seen is that the market share also for Manjaro is that the number of people that are calling us is just not as high as the, you know, for the Ozempic or Wagofi as well. Well, that aggressive marketing works is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly what I'm saying. So the very, the extreme aggressive marketing that, that Novo Nordisk has done and is likely, uh, you know, puts uh, Eli Lilly to shame basically compared to the two. Yeah. And, and you see, I mean, Eli Lilly's been around a lot longer. You watch those two commercials that they 
they play during all the football games. And the feel is just different. One is literally pitching weight loss. And the other one is, is it, it does, at least to me, feels a little bit different. No, I think you're right. So when you kind of compare the two, you're seeing like Nova Nordis just, you know, a very, very extreme kind of extreme way of pitching it, like very positive feeling. And you got the, oh, 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 Ozempic. You know, it's a great, it's a great catchy tune and it really gets you feeling like, you know, in terms of after you watch that, you don't, you don't really get a, you get a sense that you're going to lose weight and you don't get a sense of, of the negative side effects layered on top of that, you know, watching if you're on TikTok or Instagram, seeing 30, 50 uh, ads, I call them ads, influencers a day, uh, if you're active on social media. And Eli Lilly is a much more fair and balanced. I still think there's some issues with their advertising and there's still an argument on their label um, that they could have specifically warned for gastroparesis and intestinal obstruction and didn't. They just did severe gastrointestinal disease. But when you compare the actions of the two, um, I'd say Nova Nordis seems to be certainly worse. How about... Can you tell us any of the influencer, any any famous influencers that we should know about that are uh, in the crosshairs right now? I can't I can't mention them off the top of my head. I can say that um, in just about 20, 30 minutes of following my two teenage daughters that I could see multiple influencers who were talking about Ozempic in just a short time frame, you know, just go swiping through videos. So they were obviously being targeted as well. Who, what companies are being sued right now? The companies that are being sued are Nova Nordis and Nova Nordis. They are the ones who manufacture the Wigovi and Ozempic drugs. And then there are, you know, some cases against Eli Lilly, a much smaller number for the Manjaro drug. Who can file a suit? Who qualifies? Anybody who has taken Ozempic or Wigovi. And if they have been diagnosed with gastroparesis thereafter or intestinal obstruction, should reach out and contact an attorney. And what, what does that process look like? Well, anybody who's, who's, who's watching here, you pick up the phone, call, call, the, call the number that you'll, you'll see a, a number on this webpage. Call that number, uh, reach out. They're going to fill out a questionnaire. You'll get somebody who's going to fill out a questionnaire with you basically over the phone. Sometimes they can tell you if you qualify right there. Sometimes it takes an attorney who needs to look at it to see if you qualify for a potential case. And keep in mind, anytime that in these sorts of cases, you're not paying for cost of the case. You're, you're, you know, you don't have to pay anything. It's a free consultation. Even if we file a lawsuit or we, we have to order medical records or any of that sort of thing, clients aren't paying for those costs up front. They only pay if the, the lawsuit is successful. And then they're only paying a percentage of the cost or they're only paying for basically out of the, the proceeds of that settlement. So they're not, they're not having to put money up front uh, in these sorts of cases that the risk is borne by the attorneys. Is there any difference between someone who might call who took these drugs because they have diabetes versus electively taking it just for weight loss? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I, I do think that there are some advantages in the litigation for those that are t taking it for diabetes. And there are some advantages in the litigation for those that are taking it for weight loss. Um, and it, it really kind of becomes a, a, you know, very case specific analysis to see 
Is it a better case if you were taking it for diabetes or is it a better case if you're taking it for weight loss? If you're taking it for the weight loss, I think that the marketing case is a lot stronger uh, in that situation. There are some areas where you could be looking at the, we call it epidemiology, looking at the statistics that show increased risk that might point to it being a better case if they were taking it for diabetes compared to weight loss. So potentially either one could qualify. Absolutely. If you're taking it for diabetes or you're taking it for uh, weight loss, either Ozempic or Wagovi, um, then you can qualify. Wagovi is only, I think, I, I don't know that I've seen anybody taking Wagovi for diabetes. Um, I guess it could be possible that a doctor would prescribe that off-label, but I haven't seen it yet. Um, whereas Ozempic, I've seen both diabetes and weight loss. Yeah, I think our intakes right now are about 50-50 between people who are, are using it for weight loss versus diabetes, and we're, we're taking both cases, obviously. Predictions, you want to talk about the case going forward, what you're expecting here over the next month, two months, three months in, in the uh, as the litigation gets started? Yeah, so the litigation was uh, recently consolidated into what we call a multi-district litigation. So the cases were sent to anybody who filed cases in federal court or is going to file cases in federal court. Those cases have been consolidated. They've been sent to the Eastern District of Pennsylvania. They're going to be handled by Judge Prater. And that, that that's where the uh, common issues are all going to be handled in that federal court, uh, meaning, you know, the discovery that has to take place where we get all the documents from the defendants. We see really how bad their marketing scheme was, um, you know, in, in abundance of what we know already, like we call where there's smoke, there's fire. I suspect we're going to see a lot more fire when we get these documents. Um, but so we're, we've got that. And then there's going to be a lot of legal rulings that have to take place in front of this judge. And sometimes the judges like to have a few of the cases go forward in their courtroom and see if they, with, with the help of the verdicts that come forward from that, uh, see whether the parties can reach a resolution before we have to remand the cases back to all the individual federal courts, uh, which is what happens later on down the road. You know, oftentimes that process is a a three-year process until you get to that point where you're remanding cases. So that's what we expect to be happening next. Now, there also will likely be some cases that go forward in state court as well. Um, some of the couple uh, state courts may be the District of or New Jersey State Court, uh, potentially a, a few others as well. So you've talked a little bit about document production, and everybody's dying to see what Ozempic really knew, what their study showed, what what their marketing strategy was. When do you expect to see some documents in this case? That's a great question. Uh, there's there's things that have to happen beforehand. We have to we have to negotiate on on what we call search terms. So that's where they would they would get the terms that they have to search through for all their documents. Um, they obviously have to collect all the documents, and so they're going to collect those, and we're going to give them terms that they've got to search and custodians that they that basically the the employees uh, that they have to search those emails for or or the, the, the documents they have to search through that may not be emails, um, but stored documents that they would have as well. And so that takes some time, you know, to get those things done. And we, we ultimately will likely start seeing documents, I guess, four to six months from now is when we would start to see documents flowing in. Now, keep in mind, the documents are often confidential. And so they'll have stamps confidential on them. And so at least for the first year or so, um, they're going to be confidential. Later, we start to look at documents and see, okay, there are certain documents that shouldn't have been stamped confidential. 
Um, they should be unsealed. And so that process will happen probably somewhere two to three years from now. You'll start to see documents that are being unsealed either through that process or through the process of having a trial. Seems like a long road ahead. <laughs> yeah, the cases take time. You know, all drug cases and medical device cases have been handling this for a long time. I mean, it's been been doing them for over 15 years. And, um, you know, I like to say that normally the time frame, about 80% of cases historically take between three to five years to settle from when the MDL is formed. And so that just happened, um, you know, last month. And so the eight, the time frame would be three to five years from when that NBL is formed, uh, started from last month. That's eighty percent of the cases, but about ten percent are, are 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 quicker than that, and ten percent are longer than that. But eighty percent fall in that three to five year range. Is there like a statute on when people can join this lawsuit? Well, that's a great question. The statute it's called a statute of limitations, and uh, this is the reason that I that I, you know, would try to. Uh, urge any of the call or any of the you know, people who are listening to this and think they may qualify should contact a lawyer immediately. If there's a phone number here, you should contact that, call that phone number immediately because if you wait too long, Nova Nordis is going to file motions saying you waited too long, your case is barred by the statute of limitations. And if you wait too long, they may prevail and your case might be barred before we ever even get to see whether or not you should have been able to prevail in this case. Daniel Nye, one of the leaders in Ozempic. I mean, this is a lawsuit that has been an MDL for less than one week today. We have one of the guys who who's the brains behind the whole lawsuit. It's really a privilege to have you here and, and to work with you on these cases. It's, it's uh, really a phenomenal opportunity for our firm and all the folks that, that we're representing. Any parting words? and. Yeah, thank you, Bob. Thank you, Bree. I appreciate you having me. Thank you. That concludes this episode of the King Law Podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe and check out our socials at King Law Attorneys. And if you've happened to have been injured or charged with a crime, now you know who to call. King Law. Take charge.